Okay, this is how I know when the podcast is working the way I want the podcast to work, and this is how I know when it's going to be a a really good run. And like, this is what makes me enjoy the podcast. I just did yesterday a podcast about basically freedoms and and how there's societal restrictions on what's really free and you know things of that nature. And I got immediate feedback, and feedback is always good, but. Um, some good questions got raised and some good conversations got started and I like that. That's that's what I wanted. I kind of got asked a question of, of you know why why can't you just make the choice to live that way all together like what well, you know it's not really a lot of different things got brought up even that it's not really a matter of people not being free to you know, to to live the way they want. You know, it's just that that life isn't as good, and nothing's really forced upon you. And you know, I got a couple, uh, and I didn't write them down. I wish I did. Somebody sent a couple quotes, pro and con. You know, I had two people kind of going back and forth with me, pro and con, and and I've got two quotes for you, uh, both from Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks said they want you to be. A docile, apathetic consumer. And I believe that's true. And Bill Hicks also said something very important. It's all about money, not freedom. You think you're free? Try going somewhere without money. See, that's that's the thing. It's kind of, it's the perfect rat trap. They've built a, a really good rat trap. And I mean, human nature makes us stick our head in this trap. Don't, don't get me wrong. To a certain degree, um, we're just as responsible. It, it's it's a it's a it's a circular thing. It's not that there's one issue or one person or one responsible party. It it may be completely in our nature to a point that we can't break free of it. But like in the other podcast, I talked about the value of gold. Gold has no real value, but the value that man put on it. I finished the book. Um, since since the podcast, I've finished the book, um, The Alchemist. It, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I, I love it. It's not that it's 100% in line with kind of what we're talking about here by any means. It's just, it does somewhat echo some, some sentiments of following your heart and following your dreams and things of that nature. But it, it it's just a really good book. But just, a, I thought I would mention that. But... The way society is structured as a whole, I can't remember, you know, the exact specifics of it, but this is easy information to look up. You know, the school system on its own was kind of designed to produce people who, in the United States, could be good factory workers, people who could be good employees, good servants, and I think that that intent is more apparent today because we've yet to... You know, even China, who is not a free country by any uh, reach of the imagination, approaches education differently than us, and they produce sometimes a different result, always a different result than us, sometimes better, sometimes worse. But school really, in, in the realm of what's useful to us as people, is a ridiculous endeavor. 
Like, I feel guilty for a lot of things my son has to do. You know, simple mathematics is important. Uh, and and I, I truly believe that. Being able to read and write are extremely important. You know, I feel that, that literature and, and history and art play such a vital role. And, and basic sciences is, are, are very important. You run into issues. You run into issues with things like history. You know, um, let's be honest. You know, history is written by the victors, and um, uh, it, it's not always the truth that our children are taught. But Plato said, uh, "Those who tell stories rule society." So, you know, th- there's there's dangers in in such things, but I think there's importance in it. But there's also the things about school that that don't really get discussed. See, conformity in some regards is thought to be beautiful. But in most things, conformity is just the safest thing. And school helps with conformity. Don't get me wrong, it's not complete conformity. It's not all teachers are bad. It's not the faculty or... or or, or anything of that nature. It's it's it is though that that conformity is is valued because conformity makes you a good employee. Conformity makes you uh, a, a good member of society. Conformity makes you uh, 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 safe, safe for your church, safe for your school, safe for your business. Safe for your country, safe for your politicians. Conformity makes you less of a threat, and I see a lot of conformity in school. And and you know, when having this conversation earlier um, with someone, of course, not in person because that never happens anymore. But it it at first that point was lost, and then why you know why even bring up something like school? We're talking about the pursuit of. Uh, of of careers and things of that because that's where it begins you know there's so many studies out there and and look numbers can be manipulated one way or the other I understand that and, and most of these things aren't hard facts they're just the best evidence to date but they're all you know there's the things we've tried and the things we haven't there's a lot of data out there that suggests that later starts for schools later starts in the morning more sleep for kids is a better thing. That starting to read at a later age is a better thing. That uh, more freedom for young kids is a better thing. That more recess is a better thing. That more personal interaction is a better thing. That uh, shorter school years are a better thing. There's so many things that are contrary to how we do things. But see, we do things as a business. And this, this coronavirus has been a good example of that with schools. See, they're very, very, very worried about getting their days in because it's a financial thing for the schools. It's not, you know, they're very, very concerned about serving their meals. Not because, and this is being truthful, in most cases, not the people, not the teachers, not the individuals. These are good people who want good things. The school system itself is worried about serving these meals in Kentucky during this time in eastern Kentucky because if they serve those meals... And a certain amount of money is allotted, and and you know they can they can do such things that they 
see fit to be done with that money, whatever it may be. Um, but but it, it is a money thing. And, and, and not that that's always a negative. Not that they're always looking to do something bad because it's a money thing. Sometimes it's simply a funding thing. They really need the funding. They really need the money. You know, they, they really need those types of things. So it's not that that's necessarily negative, but it doesn't, it no longer becomes about doing the right thing. It becomes about the money because that's kind of how how things tend to work. And and in regards to being trapped, trapped by a job and these things, our society's built for that. And that's where me and the and one person didn't see things eye to eye in the beginning, but we eventually met back. They they pointed out that, you know, there's there's choices. There's choices to not buy the new car. There's choices to not, and, and that's all true, and, and it it is, and and, and that, those are the hardest choices, and and those are the things that not the hardest choices. Not what I mean. What I mean is those are the things that we give up the the easiest on. That once we become compliant, once we become conformed, that we just go ahead and chase those things, and and they had a a very accurate and, and a very intelligent response that you don't have to change those things. But that's not what takes the freedom out of life to me. Not those material things. That's that's a state of mind. We can we can transcend a state of mind. But it's like I asked them. It's every facet of our life is is controlled. If you want to feed the homeless in certain cities, that's illegal. If you want solar power in certain areas. That's highly restricted, sometimes illegal. If you wanted a tiny home in very, very many areas, that's restricted. There's there's a requirement to a minimum. A home has to be a minimum size. Not a maximum size, a minimum size. It has to have power. It has to have running water, or it could be deemed unfit for... I mean, there's... Some in some places there's workarounds and and you know you can be camping you can be doing all these things but not civilized living you can't do that way so th- there are restrictions that require you to rent a home that require you to buy a home require you to live in an apartment building instead of take a tent and travel or or, or take a tent and live on property that you own and pay the taxes on there's places a lot of places especially urban places. That that's illegal. You can't do that. There's places where it's illegal to have a garden. You know, I see people with huge landscaped yards, and that's legal. With huge, massive houses. But to me, the sensible thing would be that your garden would be far larger than your yard. Because what does cut grass provide for you? Nothing. It's an aesthetic. It's a look. It's something that society has put a pressure on you to say, this is acceptable. This is good. This is progress. This is you achieving your goals. If your yard is cut and clean and raked. But it provides you nothing. It's a ridiculous thing. Something that most countries and most cultures couldn't understand. To my knowledge, from what I've seen, it's a very American thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's done in other countries. But it's definitely not a third world thing. No. They're still surviving. Now, 
it would seem to me, even if you made $300,000 a year and you lived in a tiny home, but you used the rest of that money to travel and experience life, to me, that would be more sensible. But see, to someone who makes $300,000 a year to live in a tiny home would be a disgrace. It would be a social, uh, you know, misstep. You, you, you've got to have the big home. So what if you can't afford anything else? So what if you can't do all these wonderful things as long as you've got the home, you know? But a lot of it is a restriction. A lot of it is, even to the food we eat, if I want to sell my neighbor, if I have excess eggs, and I want to sell those eggs to my neighbor in many, many areas, cannot do that legally. Now, my neighbor has a cow, and they have excess raw milk, milk without all the ingredients. Milk without all these things. And my neighbor wants to trade me that milk to these eggs. You can't do that with raw milk. It's not legal in so many areas. Now, if if the coronavirus shuts down and, you know, they shut down everything except for liquor stores. Because DTs, I understand it. Like, I'm not against it. DTs from these people would flood the hospitals. And why, you know, that's... It's not the time or the place. Let's not worry about that. Let, you know, let, let's not send these people into DTs, put them in hospitals, get them... I understand that. If my neighbor has the knowledge and the ability to make homemade liquor, wine, whatever it may be, at least moonshine, let's say moonshine, and distribute it, and that be his living, well, that's illegal. Anheuser-Busch, Anheuser-Busch can make a fortune. They can do anything they want to do, literally, in, in regards to alcohol almost. It just has to fall within the guidelines that they helped write, that they helped create. It's the same thing with, with marijuana. If I, if I can grow marijuana in my backyard for free and use it for municipal purposes, that's illegal. But I can go to... A pharmacy and, and buy drugs created by Big Pharma any day of the week. Slave-making drugs. Drugs that just eat you alive inside and out. It's... When I say that it's not possible in a lot of ways to live life anyway except for what's presented to us, that's what I mean. The income tax. I don't necessarily have a problem with it myself, but we have no control over where the money goes or what's done with the money in any way, shape, or form. You can't opt out of it. You can't opt out of your money being a part of something you don't want it to be a part of. So, if they take away your ability to grow and produce some things for yourself. Not all things. I understand that. I live in eastern Kentucky. People here have gardens. They have animals. That's not all gone. I understand that. But it's not what's available for the few. It's what's available for the masses. And that's not available for the masses. 
Some people are born in areas where that will never be an option. But if they take away your ability to do for yourself, then you have to become dependent upon them. If they take away your ability to trade for the things you need by restricting the things you have to trade, then you have to trade with them. You have to buy from them. See, if bartering has no value, then the only monetary value there is is their currency. Then you have to get their currency. And the only way you're going to get their currency is likely through their jobs. And I say there because it's it's a collection. It's a collection of government agencies, private organizations, people with money. But it's not everyone. There can be a they when it doesn't constitute everyone. It's not a group decision. Because almost nothing is. I understand that. But you're going to work for a company, no matter how private and personal that company is to the owner, even if it's a small business, that is restricted by, bound by, the rules and limitations put in place to govern we the people and those things in which we uh, participate in, business, whatever it may be. There are enough restrictions to keep you from truly being free. Now, if I were 18 years old, no wife, no kids, nothing to keep me where I'm at, and I wanted to just travel the U.S., I wanted to work here and there, uh, make some money, travel, live off that money, sleep in my car, want to do these things, am I free to do that? Well, that's really a trick question. Am I free to just go work? Well, legally, no. Legally, I need documentation. I need to pay taxes for the state I'm in. You know, there's ways around that. I could work cash, and there are cash jobs out there. Those cash jobs are illegal, technically, depending on the amount of income. But the amount of income I would need to, to work in spurts and travel, yeah, that would probably fall under illegal. Okay. So the working parts may be questionable on if it's legal. I could just drive. Well, I got to make sure that I've got insurance. And then certain states, the insurance laws are different. Where's my physical address? Do I have a permanent address? I mean, where's my license? What state are my license going to be through? You know. But there's ways around it. You you could you could maybe get through that with some. But you know, if nothing else. I want to sleep in in a in a tent in federally owned land, you know, when I can. Land that technically belongs to us, the people, but but it doesn't really belong to us, the people, because I'm going I'm going to have to pay to sleep there. And I understand understand that I have to pay to sleep there because someone has to maintain the property, and that costs money. It's not free. I understand that. But I'm having no input on how they're taking care of the property. I'm also having no input on how much access I have to the property. Sometimes I don't have access to things that I pay to protect and take care of anyway. 
But I mean, if that doesn't work out, I can sleep in a car. But of course, the vagrancy laws, the vagrancy laws in so many cities and so many areas and so many businesses. Because somebody owns everything. Somebody owns every parking lot. So some places, I'm going to get hassled for sleeping in the car. But if... I, I think I could do it. I think I could make it because... I can depend on the generosity and kindness of other people, and that's real. There's going to be a lot of people, the more vocal of the people that don't like me. Because I'd be a bum. I'd be a vagrant. I would be lazy, and I would not be trying to improve, quote, improve myself. And those people feel that way not because they know that to be true, or that that's even necessarily always their opinion, but they feel that way because they've given in. They're walking on. It's like if you take a bunch of sheep and you just run them single file into slaughter. They don't really ever show any concern. Because the only one that sees death coming is the sheep in the front. All the other sheep, as they go back, all they see is the ass of the sheep in front of them. Nose to butt. Forward march. Those are the kind of sheep you want. The forward marching sheep. Head down, go forward. You can't see death coming. All you can see is the backside of the sheep in front of you. Occasionally, there's a sheep that gets out of line. There may be a sheep or two that follow that sheep. The other sheep don't. They don't don't follow that sheep. You know why? Because when they look out, they can't tell what's going to happen to that sheep. That sheep, it's uncertain what's going to happen to that sheep that's just out there running, ramping, doing what he wants to do. See, there's there's nothing in front of him. There's There's no line to follow. There's no path. He's just doing what he wants to do, so he doesn't... Garner a whole lot of attention. Oh, the other sheep, they have somewhere to go. They have a purpose. They have a path to follow. That path is leading them directly to death, but it doesn't matter. It is a path. It's more comforting. So those people that hate you or would get mad at you for making those decisions, it's because you got out of line. You're not head down going in the path that you've been told to go down. You're looking for your own path, and that's dangerous, and that's uncomfortable. And sometimes... That's appealing. And and things that are appealing make people jealous when they don't have the courage to do the appealing things. And hey, I'm a coward. Don't look at me. Don't look at me to be any great hero. Because I've worked a regular job and I've I've believed and, and followed and done the rules just as much as anyone else. And it was only until now that I started to question it. And at some point, is it too late? Is there anything you can do about it? I don't know. That's what I mean. That that's that's the trap. That's the trap. And it's a societal trap from why we have to marry to why we have to send our kids to school to why we have to work a certain job to what restrictions restrict us. It is a trap. It's fully a trap. I don't know. I enjoyed greatly doing both podcasts. I enjoyed immensely 
the immediate response, questions, interaction, and conversation on the first podcast. This is not even the podcast that was supposed to be next. It's supposed to be in a different podcast. But it, it's what happens. It's organic, and I love it. And I truly appreciate the response and, and the people, everything. I, res- I appreciate everything. Uh, it makes this fun. So let's do the same thing. Give me, hit me back with what you think of this. And did I did I answer the questions you had? Did I bring up something that's made you think again? Or did I still miss the mark completely? Let me know. Let me know. Because that's kind of what makes it fun. Remember, the new book is out right now. Right now. Uh, before we do that, I have one more quote in the vein of this I wanted to kind of get out there. See, I, I could have stayed in this bubble and thought, well, you know, the opinion I have is right and I don't need to address what these people said. And, and it wasn't even that. Some people agreed with me, but they just, you know, I'm hoping that this will this will kind of answer some of the things or respond to some of the things they said, you know. But it, it opens good dialect. But the thing is, I never questioned a lot of things for a lot of years because I never seen, I never saw those things questioned. I never looked at them from a different point of view because often a different point of view wasn't what I was looking at. I was looking at the same point of view. I was looking at the same things, often the same things everybody else would would look at. And Haruki Musioki, uh, I believe, Mirakami, Haruki Mirakami, maybe his name. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm not. But he, he said, if you only read the books that everyone else is reading, you can only think what everyone else is thinking. I don't need to be right. Not all the time. Neither do you. Nor do both of us ever need to be wrong all the time. Just sometimes. We don't always have to disagree. We don't always have to. But sometimes. Maybe we need to look at a different point of view, a different opinion, a different thought process, a different thing. Because I know people who love the process the way it is. They love their jobs. They love the pursuit. They love the possessions. And I have no right in this world to ever say that is wrong. That would be arrogant and ridiculous and would make me everything I hate if I said, you're wrong to want nice things, you're wrong to work hard, you're wrong to enjoy your job, you're wrong to try to better yourself financially, that would be an ignorant statement. I simply want to say right now that I don't believe that there's a fair and balanced option to be content, happy, and live with less. Well, there's the ability to be poor, it's rampant. But that's not being poor. We look at it that way societally. See, I look at making 30, 50, 60, 80,000 a year, having automobile debt, home debt, insurance, power, water, food, clothing, all these things. I look at that as being poor. The money's never yours, you're paying to be a slave. You're paying to be owned. You're paying to be fed. You're paying to be clothed. You're paying to be sheltered. And you're working for it still. These monsters of the past 
who would go take entire peoples and bring them and work them like animals, provided homes and clothing and food. They at least fed the slaves. They at least fed the slaves. Because a dead slave means nothing. But a slave that doesn't know they're a slave, a slave that believes they're free, a slave who is taught vanity, greed, and the pursuit of wealth, never know they're a slave. They'll always think they're the master. And there's nothing better than a dumb slave. Then there's nothing easier than a slave so dumb that they think they're the master.